Hey, welcome back, everyone. And thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Vision to Version. Uh, I, as always, am one of your co-hosts, Carl Anthony, and I'm joined by joined joined by um, one of my closest friends and a young man whom I have a great deal of of love and respect for, Gareth Nock. Gareth, how are you doing today, my brother? I'm doing good. I'm, I'm I like that I fit in the young category. Uh, very happy about that. Well, I mean, compared to me, it's it's like when my 82 year old dad calls me a baby. Like, wow, 51-year-old toddler. Although, as you know, because you're my one of my dearest friends, I do act like a toddler. So maybe he's not wrong. Um, if uh, if uh, everyone that, that listened to last week's show, uh, you'll recall Gareth and I spent a lot of time talking about, about growth and ecosystem. And if memory serves correctly, uh, we ended off the episode by talking about um, being addicted to growth. And I've spent the past few days reflecting on how that may be interpreted. So I want to unpack it a little bit. Oh, God, I just used that term. I hate that term. <laughs> Hang up on me if I ever do that again, okay? Um, I, I want to understand and I want to talk about what what that actually means as far as I'm concerned. and then. I want to talk about, um, I've got a few examples of, of what's happening in my space. And, and I know, Gareth, before we started recording, you talked a little bit about some examples that were happening in your space as well. So we'll, we'll, we'll bring this all together. Um, as always, uh, it's all you out there. We're trying to be cognizant, you know, keep this to a pretty tight 30 minutes um, so that it's a, a very consumable, very digestible conversation. So I'll start off by... In, you know, these are not my terms. These are literally dictionary definitions. Uh, you know, oftentimes the word addicted, and, and very rightfully so, has a very, it's very stigmatized, very negative connotation. But, you know, there's, there's a few different, there's a few different definitions of the word addicted. And, you know, depending on the tense, but the one that, the one that really sort of jumped out at me is, is, and I'm, I'm just reading off my other screen here, the, the informal definition is enthusiastically devoted to a particular thing or activity. Now, when you frame it in that context, I, I think being addicted is kind of a fantastic trait to have when it's, when it's pertaining to a, a, um, a, a healthy, uh, mindful uh, chapter of your life enthusiastically devoted to a particular thing or activity. Now, and then if we, if we pair that with what you and I talked about last week, if we pair that with, with growing or growth, whatever tense you want to use, is becoming greater over a period of time. So now let's merge those two. Enthusiastically devoted not to a particular thing or activity, because we're now defining this, enthusiastically devoted to becoming greater over a period of time. I mean, that's addicted to growth. Enthusiastically devoted to becoming greater over a period of time. But one of the things that, you know, if we put those two, the addicted to growth, and if we put those two concepts together, um, 
it's made me reflect over the past few days about my industry. And, and for those that don't know, um, I own a, a small boutique headhunting agency. And I, I focus, typically I focus on sort of mid to executive level individuals. And one of the things that we are faced with oftentimes is individuals changing jobs because the, the optics of growth, you know, we live in a, a, a fairly shallow, fickle society and the optics of growth in, in the business world, sadly, are often more important than the actual growth that's happening with an individual as a human being within their own ecosystem. And what I mean by that is we're all told, and I'm a recruiter, so I was guilty of this for years, we're all told that you want to go from associate to manager, then to senior manager, then associate director, then director, then senior director, then VP. And it is so ingrained in the professional mindset that one of the things that's a real obstacle for me to work around as a headhunter is I have to try and convey a growth model to some individuals when their objection is, well, I don't want to go from one director role to another director role. And my retort might be, well, let's look at the scope of the opportunity. How big is the portfolio? What's your budget? What's your team look like? What's the growth trajectory for the business? Is it actually stagnant and lateral, or is there legitimate interpersonal professional growth as an opportunity here? And you're saying no to it just because society says you need to continue ascending through that hierarchical title-driven mentality. And we could say the same about money as well. Now, this becomes a little less, uh, little less easy to get passionate about arguing against because money is important. And one thing the pandemic taught us all is how reliant we are on having those little nest eggs. But one could also say that, you know, you need to earn 10% more, 20% more, 30% more every time you change a job um, or every year that you work in that same job. So I guess what what it it what I was left with, and each of you need to develop this on your own, is helping each other understand what are the metrics that we can assign individually or as a collective to understand what is actual growth. Are the metrics as superfluous? as a title and more money? And then are we as a society actually growing and becoming better people? Or are the metrics clearer line of sight to the executive team, more direct reports, maybe uh, uh, something that's philanthropic, something that's you know driving environment sustainability? You know, what are your metrics? So before you make really magnanimous career decisions, make sure, and, and I'm a big fan of mentors, make sure that you've got people or, or, or a person or even a conduit, it could be this podcast for the sake of argument, that becomes a, a, that 
that light in the darkness, that mentor voice where you collectively can understand, are you making a growth-based decision uh, based on metrics that are critical to actually achieving growth? Or are you going to be interpersonally the same emotional individual as a VP as you were 10 years earlier in your career when you were an, uh, you know, an assistant manager. Cause if that's the case, then what's the point? So that's my little rant about addicted to growth and a growth set men- men- mentality. And I know Gareth, you've got some stuff that you want to chat about as well. So I'd love to hear your take from your business. For sure. And, and I think before we dive into that, I'll just add that I think for, you know, anyone listening and, you know, is maybe resonating with that, we, we've probably all made a decision in our careers where we've taken that, maybe that that growth journey that society has led us to believe is the correct one, as you alluded to, and been unhappy with it. We've got the title, we got the the name tag, the business card, the sign on the desk, whatever it is. And and we're not happy at that position and, and it affects it. And, you know, we go back to ecosystem that, you know, we talk about all the time is, does it start to degrade other bits of that ecosystem? You take that role and suddenly you're away from home more often and you're not with your family or you're just more stressed and you're working two hours longer every day and you're not getting time to do stuff for yourself. And it starts to degrade those other pieces. And in turn, you can't just thrive in your role at work and expect everything else to 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 stay at that same level. Well, and and without being too um, uh, too overly dramatic, I mean, I think you and I are good examples of of what you just iterated. Because you know, I'll just speak for myself. <clears throat> I went from, and this is not me. No disrespect to my previous employer and 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 the great people that I worked with, but you know, I followed that trail of breadcrumbs. You know, I was a director and then I was a VP and then I was a practice leader. I was the same. I was the same person as a practice leader that I was as a director in, in, but in fact, there was, there was a large percentage of me that had been eroded, that had withered away because it just kept wilting. And only when I left that environment and opened my own agency and arguably took a huge financial hit for the first two years and took many, many steps back. But there was so much growth in that experience that it's, it is so well worth it, man. Yeah. And, and I totally agree. My situation similar. And, you know, you touched on the money thing and how we, we get, we get preoccupied with that because it is an important thing in life for us to be able to live out, you know, the, the, the vision that we want. Right. And, and be able to create that version we want to be money ha- plays a part in that. So it is important. But yeah, experience the same thing. You, you, you drop down with pay. There's no security. You're, you are, you're vulnerable um, in the world, right. When you make that decision. So that's really, Im- really impactful. And there are huge correlations with people's fitness journeys and health and well-being. And we see this all the time. And, you know, we go back to that being devoted and committed and being enthusiastic and you know not not to to poke fun i'll use a couple of examples but i will poke a bit of fun at it but you know the age-old joke that you know how do you know if someone's a, a vegan or a crossfitter and like don't worry they'll tell you because they are enthusiastically devoted to that and i know i'm poking fun at vegans and crossfitters but no, it's, but it's we can't say this 
it's not even quite worded that nicely. <laughs> and I was a vegan. There's, so there you go. My favorite, my favorite is sorry to interject, but as a as a former vegan, somebody once said to me, "Hey man, you know there's two things vegans never do." I was like, "Oh, what? What? Maybe enlighten me, educate me, help me grow." What what are two things vegans never do? Well, they never eat meat and they never shut the beep up about being vegan. <laughs> like, but yeah, mm, you're not wrong. <laughs> yeah. And and I think that's all the vegans out there. Yeah. And it it talks to it talks to that, that kind of, you know, that addicted to to being with that whatever it is, whatever it is, you're trying to be a better vegan, trying to be a better CrossFitter, trying to be a better human, whatever. You have to be enthusiastic about it because like anything, it's a change and it's a lifestyle and you have to, you have to commit to that because it can be tough like to eat, you know, eat a vegan diet or to train hard enough to be a CrossFit athlete. And I'm using those examples. And there's many things that fit in that is it takes commitment. You have to be enthusiastic. You have to be devoted to it. It's never going to happen. So it, it does have big crossovers. Now, what I'll say is there's some gaps in this, in the process. And when you look at the devotion, sometimes what happens is we get this confirmation bias. And I believe that this crosses over to the world of recruitment and careers as well as it does fitnesses. And because we get addicted to that thing, that growth or whatever it might be, is that then we just continue to feed it. So I'm going to get this position in a job, I'm going to start on this fitness journey. And even though it's eroding other bits of my life, I'm going to keep going because I believe that this is the way. And I'm going to read all the blogs that tell me that, you know, <laughs> this fitness pursuit I'm on is the best one. Or I'm going to read all these blogs and articles about how I have to move up the ladder in my corporate, you know, life. Because if I don't, I'm not going to get to this position and I'm not going to get rewarded and I'm not going to become partner or whatever it is. And we just feed that. And it's so easy. You can go on and search on Google and find a million things that back up what you believe. Yeah. And, <laughs> right. You, you may have said that to me once or twice over the past two decades. <laughs> it, it, you know, I'm sitting here listening to you and I'm looking at our logo and, and shout out to Gareth because he did such a great job on all the artwork. And I'm thinking, you know, vision to version. And we are implying, or at least you and I are, and I don't know if it's being interpreted this way, we are implying that vision is, is largely internal. The vision that we hold of ourselves for ourselves. But there's something that we can't ignore is, you know, vision, and I'm going to get a little bit playful here, but vision can also equal optics. And, you know, you hitting a personal best in minutes of peaceful meditation certainly helps create a profoundly clear vision for who you are. But you know where it really doesn't mean very much is sitting in a Starbucks, handing your business card to somebody who is not part of that same ecosystem and is ingrained in becoming a VP, making millions, blah, 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 blah. Their version doesn't align. So it's interesting that the there's a plague of creating versions of ourselves that look great 
optically from an outward perspective, even if that is a toxin to the vision that we have for ourselves. And I have found, and you have taught me this lesson over the past couple of years. And also there's another person that, that has been a great influence on me is, is David Goggins. And you and I have both read his book, Can't Hurt Me. And one of the things that you have both uh, shown me is, so he talks a lot about the alpha in the room doesn't talk about being the alpha in the room. The, the enlightened, clear vision, best version in the room doesn't talk about that because there's a, a, a peace and a confidence and a strength in that individual. And I'm, I'm referring to you in, in this regard. So I just find it kind of interesting that maybe something that we can clarify is there is a difference. We acknowledge there's a difference between vision and optics. Mm. So, and, uh, and you look at you in a space of, of creating physical optics, right? Yeah. And, and that's such an important point because I, and when having worked with clients for you know two plus decades and hearing what their hearing what their optics are because they'll come in and say I want to lose twenty pounds I want to build ten pounds of muscle I want to look like this I want to perform in this race I want to beat this personal best time that's an optic but what the skill of motivational interviewing and how we can use this on ourselves and our own journeys is is ask yourself why and dig down a bit deeper because it's easy to say I want to lose 20 pounds. My first question is why? What is that going to make you feel like? What are you going to be able to do? What is, a, what is you at 20 pounds? You know, what are you able to do more often? You know, how are you able to find joy in life? Find those things and then that vision starts to become clear, but there's not always optics around that vision the optics are a separate thing and yes they're important sometimes um but to go back to you know the points we've made today already is the optics can start to impede the other bits of our life so that's why the vision is so important when we're talking about health and fitness but for anything because someone will get so addicted we've used that word and devoted to losing weight that what will happen is they'll create these disordered behaviors that start to affect the way they live their life. They start to affect family dinner times. They expect affect social life. And then we start to realize that all these other bits of life are eroding because we're so single, narrow-minded on, I must lose weight rather than the vision of who you want to become. And then we, the ecosystem just starts to collapse on itself. And are you, are you describing fixed mindset right now? I mean, that, that sounds, that sounds quite familiar. Yes, yes, I think so. And it, it's the, I think it, where it, where we speak to fixed mindset a little bit is that we are in this, this is how we are. This is who I am. This is, you know, this is my, my level of understanding or something that works for me, this system that works for me. And I'm going to stick with this. And there's no opportunity to, to see that there's a different way. So people will come to me with fixed mindset and say, this is the way I've lost weight in the past. This is the way I'm always going to do it. This is the way I want to do it. And I'm like, great. Have you ever thought about it like this? I don't want to do that because this way works for me. Like that's a very fixed mindset, right? This is what I'm capable of. This is what's worked. This is, and then I'm on the side of the fence where I'm like, well, hey, we could get you the same results by doing 
this, this, and this. And, you know, you'd have to be able to, I'll just use a, a random example, but you'd have to be able to track your calories really well. And then I say, I can't do that. Like that's that belief that you can't, you have to do it by right. eating a certain way or following up, you know, I have to intermittent fast to lose weight. I'm like, well, no, you could do it another way. Right. But it's that understanding that there are other ways to do it and knowing that it's a skill that you have to learn and it's a process. And that's kind of the, the difference, if you like. I'd wonder how many, and, and this, you know, this, you, you may not be able to answer this because people may not admit it, but I wonder how many of those fixed mindsets are, are rooted in not the superfluous things like, uh, here's how I've done it in the past and I can't track calories or I don't have the time. I know that's a big one. And I wonder how many are rooted in, I don't deserve to be better. You know, I don't, I don't deserve a, a, and I don't mind speaking plainly, Gareth. Look, the reality is a, a physically healthy individual is better than an unhealthy individual in, in by all measurable metrics. So I, I don't mind saying physically healthy and notice we're not saying shredded 8% body fat that can deadlift 500 pounds and run two marathons. Cause that, that can also not be physically healthy, which you and I have agreed on. But I wonder how many of these, you know, these conversations and whether it's a career progression throughout a career, whether it's progression throughout your own physical and emotional journey in life. I wonder how many of the fixed mindsets are, are ultimately rooted in well, I, I just don't deserve it. I'm not worth it. Yeah. That's a big one. I, I would hundred percent agree with you. And I'll, I'll just read something here that I think is really, really powerful. And I think, you know, I kind of gave an example there of fixed mindset and growth mindset, but I don't do as good a job as an incredible author named Carol Dweck, who wrote a book called Mindset, um, which I recommend everyone checks out if they're interested in finding more, but I'll just read you a quick definition here. Cause I think this will really help cement this for anyone listening. In a fixed mindset, basically people believe their their basic qualities, like their intelligence or their talent, are fixed traits. And they spend their time document, documenting their intelligence or their success on something rather than developing them. So that would be fixed. And then a growth mindset would be, it kind of describes people who believe their success is dependent on time and effort. These people will you know, have a growth mindset they feel their skills and intelligence can be improved with effort, persistence. They embrace challenge, persist through struggles. And then often as well, the feedback or criticism is, is used as kind of, you know, a fuel and they'll learn from that and become better. And I think that will help kind of cement the idea. And one thing that stood out for me so much, and the book's incredible, but the big thing for me was we always look to praise the process not the person. And, and the relevance of this is I think this growth fixed mindset thing starts in early life. And then as adults, we experience it, but I think it comes from you're so smart. You're so beautiful. You're so strong. You are, you are, you are, and we become defined by it. So to your point, yes, it's about that belief. And when we praise the, praise the process, we typically get a better outcome for growth mindset. And, and this is so true of anyone that's heard stories about 
you know, the, the super intelligent kid, the bright kid that's excelling at school. And they're always told they're so smart and they're put in the top class and they're sent off to summer camp to be even more intelligent. And then they flop out of university because they believe right. the work's done and that skill set's already there rather than working on it. Yeah. That's, that's, um, I'm thinking of an analogy right now because it's, it, we're going through, we, my, my, my wife and I, our, our son is, um, our son is, he's in love with basketball. That's, he talks about it, plays it, dreams it, you know, everything's about basketball and he's on a team and he's doing exceptionally well in, in one of the traps. So I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm going to massage what you just shared into, into, into maybe a, a, a parenting learning moment, likely for myself, but if anyone else out there is, so he had a tournament last weekend and sports are maybe a great example for a very specific result-based measurable metric. Did you win? Did you lose? That, that's, that's not really a growth mindset. It, it's very fixed. It's, it's very, uh, it's this. And if you look at the individual athletes, we're also prone to that same rigidity how many scored? How many points did you score? How many fouls? How many this? How many that? And as I'm saying this, I'm actually, we have practice tonight and I was planning on having a bit of a heart to heart with my son before practice about some things that I had seen. So it's really interesting, the timing on this conversation, because I'm actually going to package it quite a bit different, is... I think if you take, hmm, you ever heard that saying, put happiness first and money will follow? Put, put process first, put process first and results will follow or whatever adjective you want to use, but put the journey first and life will be great. Put the this first and the that will, like, I think we could probably interchange a lot of different concepts, but Likely for many of us, what we're deeply flawed at is we've got these things, these core values backwards, backwards. We're putting the we're putting the X first when the Y should come first. So wherever you are, whether it's health, fitness, spirituality, vocational health, career, you know, whatever you're looking at, I think the first thing would be how have you prioritized that that journey that mindset what's first a b money fame uh family you know what what's first cuz you've just given me a huge catharsis here is is to look at to look at process yeah it's 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 massive and it is i think as well you know we're we're talking parenting and basketball well, whatever we look at is the, you know, we'll, I'll give you a couple of, couple of examples. Think about a role in leadership. So we spoke about going up that corporate ladder and finding those more direct reports. Think about when you're leading a team of people and someone excels at something in your team, 
we can we we either foster the fixed mindset or the growth mindset you want them to be better because they're doing such a great job and they're beating every optic and they're the best person on the team you know we'll use sales for example they're making the most sales they're so good at it if we feed that you're so good at sales you're so good at sales you're the best salesperson guess what maybe happens is they start to see a decline the last thing you want from your team is a decline in performance you want to to excel so what we have to do is start saying i've noticed how hard you've worked on your sales scripts this is resulting in really really good results mm. right and then that yeah. person feeds that that growth and they want more of it and and i've noticed that's a great point i've noticed um a lot of the executives the senior executives that i work with on a daily basis one of the greatest deltas between mid management and executive management is and this is not holistically true i would say just in my experience one of the greatest deltas is executive management i guess because of their ascension because of their 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 corporate wisdom and also probably because they've done a ton of work they really revel in the process and you know yes of course if you're a publicly traded company the results are critical but i think an executive leader understands that take care of the process first and the other stuff will happen whereas mid management or entry level individuals they are just blasting to try and get results and move forward and go 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 grind 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 and they don't covet the process they don't take care of it and as a result much like that the you know the prodigy that goes to a college and then flops out as a result they're just they're just cooked they burn yeah yeah and um i was just going to say the same is true in health and fitness like we see that all the time with people's fitness journeys right they go in with that with i'm so fixed on gaining the muscle losing the weight doing this and i'm like you got this big chunk in the middle where you need to constantly celebrate wins along the way you need to look at all of those steps and you know we laugh about the word journey but it is a journey and if you don't celebrate along the way you typically never get to the end result that you're waiting for and that's a massive part of people's health and fitness and why people drop off so regularly i i don't think by the way and the reason i snickered i don't think you can say i don't think you can talk about health and fitness and and goals and say and then you've got this big chunk in the middle <laughs> good <laughs> just conjured this 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 great big spare tire right um how are we doing for time gareth i i think we're pretty much on the uh on the button there of uh, 30 minutes wow well I, I will i'd love for you to wrap up um i i just have one more thing to say and and this is a bit of a, a narcissistic comment one of the things that i have always loved between you and i and and this has this has actually evolved to be throughout my entire ecosystem is i have come to realize that conversations are a critical component to my process they are often immeasurable uh in in value they are often without metrics uh, they you 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 can't have a conversation that has a score and some are good and some are bad but they may all bear fruit so conversations 
are are a great metaphor for the process leading potentially leading towards something and and hopefully leading towards growth and you have been a part of so many growthful growthful yeah we'll go with that growthful growing maybe there moments in my life so i i have a lot of gratitude for that yeah well i can i can't say that any better and and completely agree that you know those are and we talk about surrounding ourselves all the time and that's such a, an important part of that and anyone that's ever heard the phrase you know a problem shared is a problem halved or you know i got i got to talk this out with someone you know a, a friend or a colleague that's what it's all about it's getting it out there and sometimes we have to verbalize and we have to see how it lands with someone and someone else's perspective on it so i think that's so powerful and i agree if you can find someone that you can have two decades of conversations with and still be finding golden moments in those conversations keep those people close because it's really important amen well said buddy yeah so we're going to wrap up that's it for this week i would love for you to share this with someone if you've got something from the episode we really appreciate it and we're excited to bring you to extend the conversation and continue this this conversation about the process and the journey and just expanding a little bit on that i got some interesting thoughts that we're going to dive into Good. on the next episode and gareth uh, last thing maybe put in the um maybe put in the show notes a link to the uh the book um uh, please forgive Carol. What was the author's Carol name? Carol Dweck, Mindset. Yeah. yeah, I'll put the link in there for sure. Maybe put a link in there so that people can hit that. And um, also maybe put a link into um, Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. Uh, two two great books. And I, you have our commitment that anything that we feel is topical and relevant that we cover in a, in a podcast, we'll try to do our best to put links into the show notes. Yeah, absolutely. All right. All right well, as always, it was a pleasure. Carl, thanks for joining me and being here. Everyone, thanks for listening and we will catch you next week.